and welcome back to Red Lips and High Kicks with me, Lydia Holt. Thank you for joining me for episode nine. I'm excited today to bring you my conversation with Jane McMurty. Jane's from Scotland, but has had a career in the West End of over 20 years. She's been in shows including Grease, Footloose, Mary Poppins, Legally Blonde, Child in the Chocolate Factory, Gypsy, too many, more than I even really know existed, and has now moved on to associate choreographer roles in shows like Fiddler on the Roof and Oklahoma. Jane has had 20 years, I'm gonna say it again, 20 years worth of experience in the industry. I mean, that is formidable. And I honestly, you'll tell from the moment she starts talking, she's so passionate and so in love with what she does still. And I think that's such an inspiring message and I'm so pleased that you guys get to hear it because yeah, for someone like me at the beginning of my career, and I'm sure many of the listeners are also at the beginning of your career, it's so nice to kind of have have a role model that you can go, okay, she's still in love with it. She's not got bored. She's not getting complacent. She honestly is full of passion and it's and it's so enriching to listen to that. She also goes into depth about auditions. You know, obviously she's been the auditionee with a number on her chest, but now she's taking the auditions. She has the CVs in her hand and has a sea of 700 girls in front of her. So it's got a, it's very interesting hearing what she looks for in an audition and how she approaches an audition, you know, so obviously as the as the dancer, you can get upset and disheartened and even, you know, have your tantrum on the way back to Paddington Station. But she actually really tells us about how she wants people to remember the audition and get something out of it, whether it even is a job, you know, about really remembering why you're there and, and making the most of it for you. And actually those are the most successful auditions. So definitely stay tuned to that because I thought that was really, really interesting. And I think those who are still auditioning or about to audition, definitely tune in for that bit. Jane also discusses body issues and comparison and all those nitty gritty things that, that dancers go through and the things that we're not really taught at school again, you know, going back to the sacrifices and, and the confusion and the doubt. It's very, very difficult and she's very, very honest about that and I really, I was so grateful and and, and I'm, yeah, so grateful that she did because it's, it's hard to do that. It's very hard to kind of bear your soul so I'm really grateful that she, she lets in and I think it's just the sort of voice that we need to hear. So I hope you enjoy it. Anyway, you know what's coming, it's my weekly plug. So please give us a rating, give us a little subscribe and obviously follow us on Instagram at redlips.highkicks. You know I love to hear from you guys, so please keep it coming, I I love it. <laughs> anyway, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Have a great day and stay excellent. Hi Jane, thank you so much for joining me today. It's always lovely to have a different perspective talk to me. So I'm so excited to hear about all your experience in the West End. How are you getting on though in this kind of lockdown, not lockdown, coming out of it summertime? <laughs> um, well, thank you for having me um, to start with. Um, um, lockdown, well, I mean, you could write a book <laughs> on the whole of this time. It's crazy. At the beginning, it was, I guess it was a really scary time because, you know, certainly in the industry that I'm in musical theatre and um, everything just stopped it yeah. was like one day and everything just stopped and you, you know and that is that is our career that's our livelihood so um it was finding a plan of what would happen over the, the, the you know the past 15 weeks but it's been absolutely incredible and I've I've been very lucky to be involved in so many different things over lockdown and I've been as busier than ever really to be mm. honest um nothing like this in our lifetime has ever has ever happened so it's you know it's it was a global pandemic so it's like you know you knew that everyone was going through the same thing so yeah. in some ways that was a sort of relief for everyone as well but um yeah it's been it's been really exciting and now sort of coming out of lockdown it's I think people have had time to sit back and address and I think you know hopefully people have realized how much you know 
we love this as a career. Yeah, yeah you know, you're right. It's something, it's a passion. Mm. It's something that you don't, you don't just stumble into this. It's something that you're, you know, most people are born with and it's a passion and it's, it's hard work, but you know, it's, it's been very telling yeah. for a lot of people. No, I think you're, I think you're exactly right. Anyway, so let's get started. I, obviously your CV, you have performed in more musical theatres, more musicals than I think I even knew existed. Green, <laughs> Mary Poppins, Legally Blonde, all these amazing things and it's, and it's exceptional. But I'm really excited to kind of learn about how you started on your journey. Where was your first introduction to dance and how did you kind of know that this was for you? Um, it's funny, I when I just said that comment about I think a lot of people are born with it I mm. think I honestly was born with the dance gene or uh. the performing gene none of my family do anything like this <laughs> at all just to point that out I so I was never from a theatrical background um, but when I was at my my mum and dad said I was certainly uh walking by eight months and talking by one so I think I was singing to myself at my first birthday so wow. they were like mm, this child she's you know there's she definitely likes to dance around and stuff mm. and then I actually asked my mum and dad when I, I think it was about two can I I saw I think um it was singing in the rain was on my mum used to watch a lot of the old movies and um I was obsessed with Gene Kelly mm. absolutely obsessed and I, I just said I want to do that and yeah. they were like okay so they had to find like the local dance school and and from there I just started my journey of it was mainly dance to start and it was ballet tap jazz modern you know acrobatics all these things anything that they could get me into class I would I was started to train yeah. and I just had an absolute love for it you know and it was it was more than just a hobby you know yeah. even by the, the, the time I was eight nine I was doing competitions and you know I as much as I loved it I knew that this was it was more than just you know oh, I'll just go to dancing to see my friends yeah. I just loved it I l absolutely loved it so then you know it grew from there and then when I was um 10 I auditioned for Scottish Ballet the Junior Associates oh, okay. um so and I always I always had that dream of being a ballerina I always you know I think uh, it's very common that I think that's why ballet is the yeah. I don't know whether it's the tutus or the point shoes but I think it's the sparkliest thing that that I just yeah I just I, I just had that dream and when I was seven actually I auditioned for the Nutcracker at the Scottish Ballet yeah and I my, I got the role and I was uh, uh, the mouse that got <laughs> shot in the Nutcracker and then I was a bonbon in act two Lovely. and that was it that was at the Theatre Royal in Glasgow and I remember I had no front teeth um my two front teeth were not and I just was this teeny little thing but um it was obviously the first time that I'd been in a you know a professional theatre and dancing with the Scottish Ballet it was yeah. it's something I'll never forget and I think from there I was like this is what I want to do yeah you know not obviously knowing the path that I was going to take but I knew for sure the theatre was definitely something that was in my direction and then so I auditioned for Scottish Ballet and then so I did two years it was a two-year course I'm at it i got I got through to that and I think it was every Thursday evening we trained so it was the junior associates yeah and then um, from there I auditioned for the dance school of Scotland oh, okay. um, which is in Knightswood uh, which is in Glasgow so and then you move you you go there when you're 12 or 11 or 12 so I actually was lucky enough again to um to get a place I think there was about eight or nine of us in my year okay um, and it means that you you move away from home 
yeah. um, at 11 and you start training. Uh, so it's basically like the schools in London, like Tring or yeah, Italian Ponte. Yeah. Exact, exactly. So you're doing your schoolwork within a normal school mm. and then there's the dance school situated in there as well. So, and again, it was predominantly ballet. Mm-hmm. Um, you're also get you're also getting your jazz lessons and your tap and things like that as well. But I was really focused on ballet. But I knew at a very young age that um, I auditioned for the Royal Ballet mm-hmm. um, when I was eleven as well. And through the medical, they pretty much said to me, "She is not going to be." She's, they said, you know, I had to actually had the turnout and I had the feet and I certainly had the elevation and things like that, but I didn't have the body type. Yeah. And they told me, you know, at 10 years old, that's a bit of a blow. Yeah, I imagine. You know, you don't, I hadn't really even developed or anything, but they, they just knew and they said from the medical, we know that she's not going to, she's not going to have the body of a ballerina. Oh. So straight away, you're like, oh my goodness, that's my dream. Bam, yeah, shot, yeah. straight away. <laughs> um, but I thought going to Knightswood, uh, going to the Dance School of Scotland, it still had other opportunities there. So I thought it's still great training. And I knew there was other opportunities other than ballet. So I thought, you know, even at that young age, yeah, it's worth exploring. Definitely. So obviously I went to Knightswood and I was there from 12 to 17. And obviously they start singing lessons at 15. And I discovered I had a voice there. So I always knew I could sing, but they properly start training you. Um, and I thought, oh, okay. And then they sit and talk to you about the musical theatre world, which I didn't know much about because okay. I was from Scotland. And obviously musical theatre world is more in London. So yeah. the, the Scotland, we didn't have as many opportunities. Um, so um, I was very lucky that the Dance School of Scotland sort of sent me in that direction towards London, towards training in London. Yeah. Um, and I came down to London when I was 17 and I auditioned for London Studio mm-hmm. uh, College and Lame Theatre Arts College and I was lucky enough to get into both and I chose Lame Theatre Arts and then that was for my, my journey into London Yeah, uh, it was, and it was a three-year course at Lane's which and it was a musical theatre course so we were really concentrating then on the musical theatre yeah. which I hadn't done before so it was that was the first you know, that big move down to London. Again, you're 17, it's still really, really young. I still say to students and things now, 16 is so young, I think, to come down to London yeah. and start training. But, you know, everyone has a different mindset. And I had been living away from home since 11. So I felt like I was sort of mature enough to come down. And that's what I wanted to do. So yeah, so I did my three-year course there. And then it just all sort of, happened from there my career just shot off and off I went (laughs) yeah and it's such a good story of versatility there I think versatility is like Mm. one of the strongest skills you can have and I think you're right being in those environments where you had multiple different training techniques and multiple skills that you were honing me it meant that when you did get those rejections you had a backup plan you were already prepared it wasn't starting from the beginning again and I think that's such an important thing to have and and really does serve you well for the future that's right. And I think what was, what's so important, and I still try and drill this in to the younger generation, ballet is the key to everything. Mm. So if I didn't, I, I don't believe I would have done so well in my musical theatre career if I didn't have that ballet, te- like that technical support, um, you know, um, there already. Because uh, by the time I actually got to college, my technique was really 
pretty mm. great. What I needed to work on was my performance and coming out my shell confident, confidence-wise as a performer yeah. and singing and all those things. But I, I sort of see the younger generation and they're so obsessed with like tricks and, mm. oh, I can, I can do 15 backflips and I can do a scorpion and whatever these sort of things are called, but they can't do a double pirouette, you know? Yeah. And it's, I go, it's so important to get into ballet class um, yeah. because it's the key of everything. And then, and then once that technique's there, then you can sort of strip things away. And, um, but I was, I've, I've, I feel very lucky that that was sort of my journey and I had such good training in the ballet world. Um, because it, it's still now, you know, you, you still, I've, I've used it in every single show that I've yeah. been in. I think you're right. And it is, it's that bread and butter. It serves you so well and it lasts so long. I think you're very, yeah. obviously, you know, things like turnout and your arabesque and they obviously do go, but the other techniques and the things you learn there serve you so, so well. And I could not agree more. I think there's such a, when I was doing these big cattle call auditions in, in London at Pineapple, the first thing they do is a paddle and a pirouette. They want to just see mm -hmm. that technique. And I think that's so important. And I felt very lucky that I had that ballet training. You're right. It is a, uh, it's an important thing to have. I'm interested to know, was this after you left school and like, you know, you have said that you went straight into the musical theatre world 19, you kind of got your first job. But was that the kind of career that you thought? Have you had the trajectory and the career you expected or did you expect it to go different ways when you were younger? Um, it's funny because, as I said before, like I always had that dream of being a ballerina but mm. when I actually look back um to like my comp when I did competitions and things I you know I loved doing the song and dance I loved doing my uh, jazz I loved doing the character I was always one of those kids that I love to come up with a character and I always mm. you know so I think it was without me knowing because I, I obviously didn't know much about musicals and stuff but even I did a pan a big pantomime every year when I was younger as well mm. I loved acting and I loved all that so without me knowing I guess um it was really what I was destined yeah to what do. you were headed towards but, that's right and then by the time I was like 14 15 and I knew ballet wasn't the ballet thing wasn't going to work out I then really focused on the musical theatre Mm. side and then started and you know and I was very very lucky that my family as well they were so supportive and anytime in Edinburgh you know a show would come to the Edinburgh Playhouse we would go and see that musical and there was like 42nd Street was a big one I when I went to see it I was just like oh cats came as oh. well and I was just like this is what I want to do and you you just you just know at that young age but I was very lucky that I had those opportunities because my parents they drove me like around the whole country and and took me to everything that I you know so I was very lucky in that sense but um yeah I guess by the time certainly by the time I went to college I knew musical theatre was was the career that I wanted to have mm. so by the time I left college that was the direction for sure that that was the path that I wanted to really concentrate on yeah and obviously throughout your career obviously you know mus musical theatre contracts you know they're they're lump they're like block and block so it's not always continuous but the eight shows a week thing and that's what I'm doing at the moment and it is tough and there's nothing you can really do to prepare yourself no amount of running no amount of planning no amount of <laughs> meal prep is going to get you really used to it it's so so tough and you've done this for 20 years what mm. has been your techniques to dealing with it because it is hard not only physically but emotionally you, you have to be so generous and give and give and give and it's a very hard lifestyle how have you kind of seen yourself through it 
Uh, that's a really, really good question because I think it's down to the individual. I mean, I eight shows a week, it, as you said, it is so tough. And, and until you've done it, no one actually realizes how tough um, it is. And people just think, oh, you guys are up on stage prancing around. And you, you get people actually thinking this in, um, in the world of our industry is just something that is just all oh, blessed and they're just doing their hobby and they're just, it's so tough. Mm -hmm. And to do eight shows a week, you need to be so mentally um, ready for it and you need to keep yourself fit and healthy so you know um during my career i i keep myself fit i go to the gym i make sure that i'm doing things during the day to stimulate myself and then i don't know it's just something when you walk in that stage door i know it sounds really cliche i just love it and i have to tell myself every day i am so lucky and so privileged to be doing something that i love yeah um and of course like I, everyone has their down days of yeah. course and you have but the, the 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 pick me up i'd say from that is if you're having a down day and you go to the theater there's no better feeling than getting on that stage and just forgetting that day and just performing and also i always say as well is you know people have paid money a lot of money to come and see you in these shows it's a job at the end of the day. So like anything else, like working nine to five in an office, this is a job. Mm. We have to go in and we have to serve and we've got a, we have got a responsibility yeah. as performers as well. But, um, you know, as you said, these, these contracts are usually a year. So it's funny how quickly a year goes yeah. and, you know, you are doing the same thing every night, but a lot of things happen like people get injured and then other things happen and then the show changes and if you're on tour you're in a different venue each week so you know there's there's a lot of things that you know you get to travel to different countries like you know you're in Berlin and mm. you know there there's always there's always you never know what's sort of coming around the corner and you know six months seven months into the job you're starting to audition for the next job yeah so yeah. And I, and a lot of people might feel uneasy with that. I love that though, because I'm like, I never know what's coming next, mm. but you just have to have that belief and passion and drive that you're going to get the next job. And I suppose yeah. that's what I've always just tried to approach every job, job with, to be grateful in the moment mm. and then be ready, be ready and fit for the next, for the next edition yeah. and for the next time. And, and, you know, for anyone that's, looking to do this as a, a profession just be a nice person I know it sounds really stupid to say that but be a nice person because if you're a hard worker and you're professional and you are a nice person it you're probably going to work again and again and I think that's sort of what hopefully why I've worked for 20 years um is because I love what I do and hopefully that comes out and I'm a good person I work really hard and you get a reputation and you know that serves you in your career as you as you go from job to job no and it's you kind of touched on this that that hamster wheel of you're right you you've worked so hard for a job and you have about six months maybe even less of enjoying it and being in this bliss and then it's not long before you have that kind of voice in the back of your head goes okay but well, what are you gonna do next where's the next one? yeah how are you gonna get your next paycheck and it is and it's it's kind of a bit sad because it's always it's always there and it's it's definitely hard to balance it and that lack of security and the fluidity is very hard to manage I mean you said that you don't mind it but what's kind of your advice for balancing it I know when I was kind of doing that 
semi you know not freelancey lifestyle but I remember being like oh we've got a wedding next summer Lydia or do you want to go on holiday here and I was like well to be honest I actually don't want to because ideally I want to get a job <laughs> and it's really yeah. like, obviously I love you and I want to be there but I but in, in reality I want this job and it's so hard to kind of for life to carry on when we're so devoted to our art what how do you manage that balance I think um and it's sort of selfish in a way um, because I absolutely, and I, I mean this, I love what I do a hundred percent. I wouldn't want my life any other way, but for selfish reasons, I've had to sacrifice so much of my life. And if that, you know, moving away from home, no mum and dad wants their little girl of 11 years old to move away from home and no. not be with them. That was the first big sacrifice I had to make. I live in London now, all my family are in Scotland. Mm. Um, you know, that's another big sacrifice. Of course, I'd love to be a 15 minute drive from my mum and dad where I can yeah. just pop over for Sunday, for Sunday dinner or whatever. Um, you know, um, seeing my niece grow up, you know, all that you have, there's so many things saying about, oh, there's a wedding coming up next year. We always have to give that thing. Of course, we would want to be there. We'll be there if we can. But if something comes up. Yeah, it takes priority. Uh, we, we can't be there. And it, it, and it again, say, I'm saying it's selfish because the the job will always take priority because we don't have what we don't have the luxury of knowing where we're going to be in a year's time obviously through, throughout the years it gets easier because you know I've worked more and I sort of I can plan more what I'm yeah. going to do but when I was younger for sure you just you don't know and you have to if you want again to make this your career um, you have to make those you have to be prepared to make those sacrifices and if you're not I'd say you know really really sit down and think about it you know and and something that's came up during the years is teaching work for me um as I've been teaching during the day and then doing a show in the evening Gosh. the teaching has sort of served me so well now because if I have had any little stints out of work I can just teach and I love teaching yeah. So I think it's, I'd say to people as well, and who, you know, find, find something else, you know, a lot, I know a lot of people do P, um, personal training courses or, um, they have another little business, you know, you have other passions. If you've got other passions, you know, explore that as well, because it's not always going to be easy. No. Um, but, but, you know, you, you make, you make your life work and, you know, as I said, if, you have the the wedding of the century coming up and you turn a job down for that then that's that's your decision it's down to each individual and there's no right or wrong um but it certainly is a lifestyle that that needs a lot of thought before you go into it yeah. for sure and I just don't think that's really talked about enough you're right it's the sacrifices it's not always the big oh my goodness like I couldn't do this I couldn't do that but it's the small ones yeah like that make up a life I can't go to your wedding I can't go to your graduation mm. I'm gonna miss that family holiday and it is it's those small ones and it is really hard to swallow but I think you're right you've just got to love what you do enough to feel at peace with that and and I think again like the loved ones that you have around you they also understand that you're not just doing this because you'd rather be somewhere else or you'd rather go to someone else's wedding or whatever you're doing this because you're you're serving your art and you're and there's like a greater good I feel in the in the theatre world that actually I'm like you've devoted yourself and those sacrifices are worth it for that greater good 
A hundred percent. You know, um, two years. Um, so first of August will be my my husband and I. So second uh, second year anniversary. I mean, we've been together like ten years, but <laughs> we got married. We got married two years ago, and it was so funny. Um, he proposed um at New Year. Oh, um, okay. and um, the first thing we were like, right, okay when are we going to get married because <laughs> we're both always because we're both actors we're both always so busy mm. and we were like and this sounds really it sounds like it might sound a bit um disheartening to people but we were like right we've got a window in august so we planned the wedding because we both knew he was starting company in the west end mm. like uh, two weeks in the second week in august and i was flying to vienna uh, the second week in August as well to, to put on the bodyguard mm. so we both knew that we had a win and it sounds again this is our wedding yeah romantic <laughs> but we had a window in July and the beginning of August in that year so we were like let's book it let's just book it and we know that we've got that chunk there and we planned the wedding in six months and we Gosh. got married and but you know again just because you but we're both like 20 years in so we know but but we had an amazing wedding and we managed to get we managed to get everything that we wanted for the wedding and stuff but it was just funny we were like and everyone's like when are you going your honeymoon we're like well I'm flying to Vienna next week and now it starts rehearsals the week after so it was like you yeah know, we got the honeymoon the year after we don't worry we did get a honeymoon but, good um, good it's, it's funny how you just have to plan you have to plan your life yeah you do and work. I think also it is the f- our career is so short and that is a very loud hum I think at the back of everyone's mind and I think these decisions that you have to make and the, the sacrifices you have to do it is because unfortunately we can't do this into our 50s we can't do this into like it's not a career that that has no end so I think you do have to kind of put that into perspective and go okay for our like youth for our 20s and our 30s it's going to be hard and there will be things we can't enjoy and experience but in the grand scheme of things you, we will have such a great life and you'll have such great yeah. stories and memories that will like fill you up for the rest of your life. Oh, a hundred percent. And you know, and you know, the places that you get to travel, yeah. I mean, I would never ever probably have got the chance to go to Australia mm. if it wasn't for what I do. You know, yeah. it's just, it's, it's, it is incredible. The goods way out the bads. Yeah, you're I right. Say. And I think yeah. talking, as I've got older, talking to us, my friends kind of are in university or they're leaving university or they're kind of all choosing their path. I feel so lucky that I, I know what I want for starters. And I also have a job where I love what I do. And that is really rare. And I know it's in the dance world, you're surrounded by everyone else who loves what they do. But it is important to kind of remind yourself that that is a real honour. And like a lot of most people, most normal human beings don't really get to love what they do as much as we do so actually yeah is a we're very lucky you're you're absolutely right i i think um that is what i said earlier you're i'm i feel privileged to do mm. something my job is my passion yeah and not many people i think maybe i think it's something like 20 percent of the population can say that you Gosh. know as a job as a job I'm I'm living I'm living my dream I know it sounds cheesy my dad always used to he was he wanted to be a footballer and he was a semi-pro footballer in a very young age he got an injury and again he never knew if he would have been good enough to make it but he got the injury and he couldn't do it and he said Jane you're so lucky to to do a job that is your passion he said I would have given anything to be a footballer and you think of all these you know people who have these dreams of you know little boys or little girls want to be footballers or sports people or being in this industry it 
it doesn't happen for everyone so no. I think that's and hopefully in lockdown as well people have realized that as well that's something that you've you've went away and analyzed and gone do you know we're so lucky Mm. because I know so many people that try try this out as a career and it doesn't happen for them so I I guess the question that you were asking earlier is how do I get through HOs a week and is I you have to keep telling yourself that Mm -hmm. I'm very lucky I'm one of the minority that have made it and I'm I'm successful so And it's also just, yeah, and all the rejection that we have to get through for every job you get, you've had to have probably have had four or five, at Mm. least probably average, of ones you didn't get. And I think, yeah, it's really important. I know it's so hard when you are in that abyss of no, 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 but actually it just takes one for you to to be there. And then once you've had that rejection, it's such a good lesson because you're now every day grateful and you're thankful and you're working your ass off because you know you didn't have this job and you've had to face those no's so it is those rejections in that time it is worth remembering that actually those rejections prepare you to be a more valuable and harder worker when you do get a job because you will never take it for granted yeah I mean people probably look at my CV and go oh she's worked for 20 years non-stop mm. I have but that's also all in between that you know you know so many rejections yeah. more no's than I've had yeses you know mm, that but, definitely mm. um and it, and it doesn't I think during this lockdown um period I think it's very telling our industry has absolutely popped out because it shows the resilience and yeah. the the hard-working nature that we have as an industry mm. and how proactive a lot of people have been during this compared to maybe someone who does you know work in an office yeah you know five days a week it's it's a different mentality you've got to have you've got to be so resilient and you've got to have such hard, um, tough skin yeah um, to take it but as I said it makes you it makes you a stronger person in the long mm-hmm. run yeah no that's it's fascinating and I'm, I'm really excited as well and to kind of pick your brain now you're becoming the kind of assistant choreographer and you're now on the other side of the desk with the cvs in your hand it must be a really strange for you to now be auditioning people and, and yeah and have that kind of complete polar opposite experience what have you learned from from doing that have you kind of taking auditions and you're seeing things that make people stand out or that things that maybe you used to do that maybe weren't as successful as now that you're on the other side how is that what's that taught you it's funny because I I just I was one of those people as a performer I hated auditioning I got so nervous and I hear people say, oh, I love additions. And I'm like, <laughs> I hate additions. I'm with you I on that never, one. I hate them. <laughs> yeah, I just, it's that horrible feeling in the morning of waking up and it just, you get that horrible feeling in your stomach of, oh, here we go. Mm, definitely. Um, so I guess now being on the other side, I've always tried to, to um, when I take additions now, I want everyone to come in the room and have the best time. Um, I want people to feel comfortable. I want people to walk out the room and go, I want to work for that person or I want to be in that show. Because I, I remember when I auditioned for Mary Poppins, um, it was a brilliant audition process. And um, Jeff Garrett, who is the associate choreographer, he actually took most of the auditions mm. and he was just so inspiring. And yeah. so um, he made me just go, I want to work for that guy and I want to be in this show so bad. So I guess I pride myself on that now. Yeah. So I think it's about making fe- people feel comfortable in the room and trying to forget that it's an addition and just listen and take in everything that I'm saying and just have fun mm-hmm. and try and do your best. If you mess up, it doesn't matter. 
we just want to see personalities we want to see you as individuals in the room so now so now being on the other side and you you just you see some people bloom and you see some people fall apart sometimes and I just I just want to go over and give them a hug it's okay it's okay you know this is additions we we don't want to see necessarily the finished product you know it's just we want to see that person who gives us who walks in a room and has like sort of like a little light around them and goes oh they seem like a really great person I'd like to work with them you know for five weeks in rehearsals and you know so it's about making making people feel comfortable and and um and having fun and just going out and going I had a good time yeah and whatever happens I had a good I enjoyed that addition yeah I mean I want to be in one of your auditions they sound lovely (laughs) but I can like remember being with people like that and having an audition where I went you know what I didn't get it but I now want to come back and I will I will endeavor to get this just because that was a pleasant experience and I think if you have that kind of hostile frosty environment not it's not nice dancers don't really want to be there and you're right you won't have that kind of blooming experience and then they might not come back but yeah to have an experience where you actually leave feeling fulfilled even if you've got a big fat no but it doesn't matter that's a much a different way of doing it yeah yeah I think back in the day like 20 years ago it was more frosty in edition mm-hmm. rooms it wasn't as I feel like things have moved we've moved on now and I feel like additions are getting a bit more relaxed in good. a good way and mm-hmm. um, you still obviously I, I like to it's good to have that competitive spirit in the room, yeah. but in a nice way. Um, back in the day, it used to be quite uh, a bit more, you know, sometimes I felt scared in the room, but Gosh. you should never, ever feel like that. You know, you should be able to go in and, and be yourself and just, and um, and always just try and come out the room and just well, I've done my best. So yeah. whatever happens, I did my best. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've had many editions where I've come out and gone, ah! Yeah. kicked myself my Chicago edition where I forgot the routine oh, oh I wanted to die on the spot but you know yeah. um you know um it's 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 really interesting being on the other side now mm. um for many reasons but yeah and how are you finding you know working so hard on a show and putting your heart and soul in it like you know we see as dancers you see your your directors and your choreographers that they they're, it's no it's no easier if anything it's harder they know everyone's routine not just yours and they have to do it full hour so you're just as much involved as us and when it comes to putting on that show and you finally get it on the stage and the audience are there how is how are you finding it that you don't get the bow you know you're not getting the curtain call and and maybe the applause has that been quite a difficult thing to to get used to um no not for me because I I've never been one of those that have um craved being in the limelight okay. um so you know even right throughout my career and um, the way my career went I was sort of um I fell into the swing thing I fell into the dance captain thing I fell into the assistant choreographer thing so all those jobs are so integral to yeah. a job Dan- especially like I'd say dance captain because you're there eight shows a week and you are the person that keeps the show together mm-hmm. you know more so than the choreographer more so than director you're the person that's there from the beginning of rehearsals to the end of the contract a year later and you don't get any glory for it you get absolutely nothing for it um and you you do all that work and you you, you're the glue that keeps Mm. the company together but the cast know that and but the audience don't know that and they don't need to know that and and I'm fine with that I I sort of I don't need that sort of um gratification and I guess as the the choreographer or the associate choreographer 
you do put your heart and soul into it yeah. more than I ever imagined. And then you sit there on opening night and you don't get the bow, but that's okay because it's it's a different feeling you have. Okay. You sort of have a feeling of like, wow, I I did that. I yeah. that was my choreography or that was so it's a diff it's a different feeling, but I don't feel the need for anyone to you know, I think well, you know, once because I'm trying to do my own choreography and stuff now the associate you don't you don't get any gratification really mm. this choreographer gets all the hype but um that's why i'm starting to move up the move up the ladder now and hopefully you know when i start doing more of my own choreography um you know you'll get a bit more of the glory yeah, at, at yeah. the end but which which will be nice but yeah i guess that's not what we do it for we yes, do it for no. again it's for the love really yeah and you've, and you've talked a little bit about how you thought auditions and stuff, that's kind of changed a little bit. But now moving forward, what are you most excited about? What have you kind of seen change and improve throughout your career that you think will continue to kind of further the cause and make better for everyone else? Um, I think, um, I mean, certainly for me, I've got, I think, you know, you know with body image and the way people look and things like that it's something I'm really passionate about you know because yeah. obviously throughout my career I I've been told many times you don't look right or I'm like what does that mean you know it's a, it's a statement to make and I I don't know what it means so you know I what I've seen change over the years is you know to embrace different looks of, yeah. of, of people and to embrace the way that you, you look. And it's not so stereotypical now as you have to look a certain way, especially in the musical theatre industry. We want people who look all different shapes and sizes. And mm -hmm. I think, um, and you know, a lot of things have been talked about recently. Um, so it's about the diversity really of, of the industry opening up more and, yeah. And I think that's really, really important. Um, I again, with social media as well, it's it's um, it's nice to see these things promoted as well. Um, and hopefully, the industry is changing in that way. But for me, it's just to keep keep the industry moving. And I think to for musical theatre, musical theatre is changing as well. You know, you've got shows like Hamilton, yeah. these sort of shows. Um, where again we're taking a shift so there's a lot of the contemporary world the ballet world actually even is sort of slotting into the musical theatre world yeah, yeah. as well so I think that's exciting of these new styles these new choreographers like Drew McConey mm. he was someone from the ballet world someone from the contemporary world so that's shifting as well so I think that's exciting for us as well to be exploring those new styles um, yeah. it's, it's not so generic as it used to be yeah, you're right. And like, we work so hard to get a, a variety and a diversity of, of, of voices and works being produced. But I think in turn, we need to see those dancers on the stage and we need to see the, the variety so more people can identify when they come to a theatre show they can, or they come to a ballet or whatever it is. They can see themselves there. And I think, yeah, for such a long time, it's been such a narrow perspective and a narrow, not well, just not yeah, a limited amount of, of things being seen, you know? yeah it's just so so important and you know mm. you know there's there was um a couple of years ago when there was the whole you know as a woman in the industry as well um and a woman creative in the industry yeah. there's not many women if you actually break it down and i didn't realize really until i 
you know, sort of stepped away from the performing side. Because when you're a performer, you get employed. It's the girls and the boys and, yeah. and whatever. But now, being on the creative side, there's not many women creatives. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I really, I feel very strongly again about, I think it's important that we have a voice as well. You know, no, and that's actually something um, I wouldn't even thought about. You're right, is that for such, you know, when you're hired, it's girls with boys. You're not really ever against each other. There's never a limited amount of jobs that, you know, either of you could get. And you're right, when you kind of come out the other side, you are suddenly against each other. And if you don't see yourself there, then it doesn't work. And then also having a female choreographer, you know what it's like to de- dance female roles. So, of course, you'll have a different insight yeah. to the others. There's not many, you know, there's not many female choreographers. There's not many female musical directors. So and there's not many female directors. And it, I think it, we need to make a change in that direction as well of, you know, give these women who have a voice and who have the talent mm. a chance because uh, it is very male dominated. But, you know, I just think it should always be the best person for yeah. the job um, at the end of the day. But I do, I do hope that, you know the, that that diversity it opens up um, mm. in all different ways to across the board yeah I'm interested to know it kind of ties in a little bit with my last question which is going to be what would you tell your younger self what advice would you would you give your younger self if you were to meet her but I actually am also interested to know is if there was you've spoken so much about how much you love it and it's so refreshing and I love hearing other people that love their job it's so it's so nourishing to hear that so I'm so <laughs> glad that you do but were there ever times in your life where you did doubt it and you did question whether this was for you and or if you were made for it or or what were there times when you did yeah it kind of all it all became unclear um i i don't think i've ever doubted it and that's it, it maybe sounds like oh my goodness she's so positive it's not it's not i just I don't think I ever doubted that this was what I wanted to do. Mm. Um, I've obviously had days where, you know, I, especially when I was at college and I was training, um, I'd certainly had those demons of, am, am I going to be the right body shape? Am I, because, you know, the, these things, when you're a little girl, they, they stay with you. Like you're not, go- you don't look, you're not going to have the body type to be a ballerina. So mm. I certainly thought, am I actually going to work? Do I... This, this statement of you don't look right to be a dancer or whatever that means. Um, of course, that always stayed with me and I always had that doubt of maybe I'm never going to work, you know? Mm. Um, but I never doubted still that I wanted to drive through and at least explore if I was going to work. And I guess when I started to get the jobs and I started to, to work, I thought, okay, well, I must be doing something right. Mm. Um, so the question of like, what would I tell my younger self? I would say to my younger self, don't doubt, don't doubt yourself. If you know that you have the talent and the drive and the passion, stop worrying so much about what other people think about you. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we do that a lot in this industry. As people, we compare ourselves to other people a lot. Yeah. Um, and I, I did that a lot when I was younger. My younger self, when I'm very early 20s, going to additions and going, oh, I'm not as pretty as her. Oh, I'm not as skinny as her. I'm not as this as her. Instead of just going, Jane, focus on what's in front of you. I'm in an addition right now. Stop worrying about everyone else and just focus on what the job is at hand. So that's what I would t- say to my younger self because the way I've looked or all that stuff, stuff it's never stopped me working. Uh, in some ways, it's got me jobs because... I've maybe been a bit more curvy or 
I've had something about me, but I I can't ever recall a time where I, I've sat and gone, this is something that I want to give up or I never I something I never want to do. I think yeah. I've always had it had it in in me to want to do it no matter how bad it got but of course I've had the doubts and the demons about I'm I don't look right or I don't fit into the mold of what I think the dance industry should be so I guess hopefully that's answered the question yeah no and I think it's it's so important to hear voices like yours someone with such an amazing career as you've had to say like I experienced that I've had that I've had the 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 criticism and the worry about body image and the am I good enough Mm. and it does haunt you you're right and I think it's so refreshing for people yeah who have got to a point where you've gotten to be as successful as you have to be so honest and I think that's really important that younger people hear that and go okay I can have these doubts I can have these fears but they don't define me and they don't define the career I'm going to have because yeah like you said it's it's propelled you and actually maybe yeah gotten you more jobs than you thought and it's not the most important thing it really isn't well, it, it's funny because a question going back to what you said earlier about what's changing in the industry mm. and a massive thing is the mental health thing. I yeah. think it's so, so important and we need to talk about it. Yeah. And 20 years ago, you did not talk about it. No one talked mm. about it. And if you had, and I had, all, I've, you know, still got these worries and issues about body image and things like that. And, but it's, it's okay to talk about it now. And it never was back then. You're sort of just like, you have to, you know, you don't talk about it, get on with it, lose weight, do this, da, 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 da. And that was it. And you just, you sort of kept quiet. But now I feel like there's platforms now that if my, if I can talk about it and I can uh, tell my stories and I've had the career that I've had, then hopefully people will go, oh I feel the same and they can talk about it as well and I think it's so so important that if you have any of these issues that there's platforms there to talk about it and never feel that you're um that never feel like you're alone because I'm sure so many people have the same thoughts yeah and I think um, it's you're right and they're like mental we're we're artists and we're athletes and we're treated like athletes in our demand and that go 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 but then our art is subjective so actually it's like go 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 but you actually might not be right for everyone and it's so hard to balance that and you're right it's about speaking up and just sharing that it is hard and that it's okay not to be right for everyone absolutely and you know and I what I say to people as well is sometimes I if I'm in a class and I've got 30 people in front of me what I like is maybe what you know the next teacher is going to come in and she'll like something yeah. completely different you know and and that and that's okay it's everyone you know it's it's everyone has different opinions and that's okay in this industry and you know on the day you you might be right because of the way you look and then the next and then the next time you you will be right you know it's it's subject to change and it changes all the time and if a choreographer or a director really really likes you then the next one might not but that's okay it doesn't yeah. mean it's it you you have to stop t- taking things personally um it's sort of just you just have to brush it off and go okay wasn't right for that one but I might be right for the next one and embrace, embrace all those things that you have that make you an individual. Mm. Cause that's again, as I just said, that's what's going to get you jobs in the end. Wow. Thank you so much. I'm so pleased that you are you, you were so honest and so passionate and I, and I loved this conversation. Thank you so much for for giving giving me. No, thank you so much for having me. Wow, Jane, you are amazing. Thank you so much for being so honest and so candid and so true. 
with us. We love it. So thank you so much. I really love that episode. I hope you guys enjoyed it too. And I hope you tune in for next week for episode 10, the last episode of series one. It's going to be just me, quite nervous, but stay tuned. <laughs>